Dear congregation, the theme for the sermon tonight is Sola Grazia. Sola Grazia. Three thoughts. First, living without grace. Living without grace. Second, changed by grace. And thirdly, living by grace. Sola gratia. Three points of attention. Living without grace. Changed by grace. Living by grace. Sola gratia. Does this sound familiar to you, young people? Did you ever heard the term sola gratia? Uh, probably you heard it. It is one of the key points. It was one of the key points at the time of the Reformation. And the older people among us will probably know about these five points which the preaching of the Reformation is summarized. These five solas, sola scriptura, faith is by scripture alone, right? It's all about word of God. Word of God changes us, brings life. Sola scriptura. The second one, solus Christus, only Christ. Only in and through him there is forgiveness of sins. There is everlasting life. There is righteousness. Only in and through him. The third one, sola fide. It's only by faith. It's not by our works. It's not by your feeling. It's not by your knowledge. By faith alone. Sola fide. The fourth one, right? Sola gratia. That's the one for tonight. Sola gratia. To live forever. By God and with God. In heaven and later on on the new earth. Is grace alone. Grace alone, sola gratia. And the last one, of course. All of this leads to God's glory. Soli Deo Gloria. Well, young people, these are the five solas of the time of the Reformation. And tonight, sola gratia. Well, our first thought is living without grace. Titus 3 verse 8 is our text first. Let, let's read it again. Paul writes to Titus and to us tonight, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, or you could translate earnestly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto man. So it starts with these words, this is a faithful saying. Well, the Apostle Paul is using these words more often. To be precise, five times in Scripture, he uses these words. This is a faithful thing. He wants to draw the attention of the readers and the listeners of these letters. Of course, everything is important. But five times he says and he writes, this is a faithful thing. And these things are important. In other words, congregation, listen carefully now. What's coming now is so important. Of course, everything is important in Bible. But these things, listen carefully. 
And of course, there is also that exhortation. Receive that message and accept it. Right? If we are called to listen, we are called to accept these words. So Paul says here, accept these words as the truth. God speaks through me. And accept that word. Five times it is written in scripture. Four times in the letters to Timothy and one time in Titus. I, I will just read you one other of these sayings. First Timothy 1 verse 15. There the apostle Paul says, This is a faithful thing, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. You feel the importance of these words, right? Christ Jesus. Here's the gospel news. That Christ Jesus, the second person in the Godhead, became man. Why? To save sinners. And we are all sinners. And then Paul adds, in wonder, before this miracle, and I am the chiefest of the sinners. In other words, dear congregation, there is a possibility for all of you. To be saved from your sins. And to receive righteousness and holiness and everlasting life. If it was for Paul, the chiefest of sinners. It is possible for us all. Well, that's another. This is a faithful thing. Well, tonight that other one in from Titus. And again, Paul wants to have your attention. Of course, always. Tonight, maybe a little bit more. This is a faithful thing. Reformed Church, Kalamazoo. Your special attention is required. Okay, let's have a further look. What are the words which are so important? What is important here that Paul says, this is a faithful thing? What is the this here? Well, let's read the sentence again. This is a faithful saying. And then he repeats, and these things. I will that thou affirm constantly, earnestly. They are so important that he says, Reformed Church of Kalamazoo, I, 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 I need you. You need to affirm these words constantly. These faithful saying, these things, please affirm them constantly, earnestly, every day of life again. What are these words? Well, we should look back. We should look back in Titus 3 to come to know what is so important tonight. This is the faithful thing. We will look back to the verses 4 through 7. Because actually it is all about what is written in the verses 4 through 7. And after having written these words, 4 through 7, then he says, These are faithful things. These things please affirm constantly. And it has a purpose. It is not without reason that he exhorteth to affirm the truth of the verses 4 through 7 every day in our life. What is the reason? Well, read again verse 8. It says that, now comes the reason, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. What's the purpose of our life? To praise God's name. How do we praise God? Of course with our words. But what are words without works? 
What is a beautiful tree without fruits? God is looking for works in our lives. A word without a work is so cheap. And it will testify against this congregation. God is indeed looking not only for our confession by mouth, but He is looking for our works. And He carefully examines our lives from each of us. Are there good works? Yes, they confess my name, and that's a good thing. But where are their works? But good works need a breeding ground. Good works need a source. Because you all will agree that good works are not there in our own effort, in our own strength, in our own wisdom. They need another source. Well, and what we read in the verses 4 through 7 is about the source the breeding ground of good works. And again, God is looking for good works in our life. And the Apostle Paul says, it is so important that you ponder about the truths I just gave you, verses 4 through 7. Because God is looking for good works in your life. And therefore, meditate upon these verses. Ponder about them. Think about them. Well, let's have a look at these verses. But let's start in verse 4, right? It says there, But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward men appeared, and then it continues, it's a very long sentence. But, but please read the first word. It says, but. So in other words, before we are going to meditate and to ponder about what is written in verses 4 through 7, the breeding ground, the source of good works in our life, we need to go back after these verses. And we need to start at verse 3. Because it starts with a but. So let's start at verse 3. There's where we need to start. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts, and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Dear congregation, good works in our life need this confession of sin. There are no good works in our life without the knowledge of ourselves. And in and through his word, scripture reveals who we are in our own nature. And that's what this is all about. And without the knowledge of our fallen, sinful nature. You will not understand the sola gratia. The deeper you understand your own problem in life, your sins, your sinfulness, the higher the wonder, the greater the wonder of grace. Sola gratia. Where we come to understand our sins and sinfulness and the greatness of the love of God, their thankfulness abounds in our life. And there are coming good works. We need to start looking here in yourself. 
it says in verse 3, for we ourselves. Look to this we. This we here includes all of you. It does, isn't it? God says tonight, we. This pastor, the organist, the elders, the deacons, everyone here. We. We. And even Paul, because he writes this letter, Paul includes himself. Young people among us. Who is the Apostle Paul? Well, I could summarize his profession as a professor of theology. He knew scriptures. He knew everything from scripture. He was zealous for good works. We read in Galatians 1 verse 14 about the Apostle Paul. And I profited, that's the Apostle Paul, in the Jews' religion, above many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. In Acts 22, verse 3, he describes himself as being zealous toward God. He had zealousy toward God. We would say, wow, the Apostle Paul, even before his conversion, was an example for us. Day and night he was occupied with Scripture. Day and night he was occupied with trying to understand Scripture, to live by Scripture. And yet, and yet, when he looks back in his life, he says, we, we, me, the Apostle Paul, I, and together with you, we all were sometimes. And then comes this enumeration, right? Foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. What do you see when you look back in your life? Is there that moment of grace in your life? Do you know what grace is? Do you know yourself? When you look back, do you see where you came from? Is there that knowledge of yourself worked and given by the Holy Spirit in and through his God's word and the preaching of his word? It all starts there. And that knowledge will increase every day of our life. John Calvin, at the introduction of his institutions, writes the whole Christian life is about two things. Getting to know myself more and more. In other words, there is no end and digging in my own nature and my sins and sinfulness. And the other thing is getting to know a triune God, His grace, His love, His goodness and His mercy. That's the life of a Christian. And it's what Paul learned. It's so scriptural. He looks back and he says, well... Let's go, let's go over these words. We ourselves were sometimes foolish. He says, well, there was a time in my life, and although I knew Scripture, my mind, it was in my heart, I meditate upon it, and Although I knew scripture, I was foolish. I didn't understand the truth. I didn't understand it. I was foolish. I didn't know the truth about myself. 
I didn't see my sins and my sinfulness. I didn't see my fallen sins and my helplessness, my weakness. I didn't see it. Although I knew Scripture, I didn't know it. I didn't know anything about Christ Jesus, the Son of God. I didn't know about the beginning of my life. I didn't know about a fallen sin. I didn't know about the future. I was foolish. I had no real spiritual knowledge. What a privilege, by the way, it is. They are seated here. And that you may listen to the word of God. And that the Holy Spirit comes to you and my, to our aid. That we will understand the truth about ourselves. Again. Coming to the goal of our life. Praising God to word and deed starts here. I was once foolish. Lord, forgive my foolishness. He continues, we were once disobedient. Disobedient. Because he didn't know the truth. And therefore he was disobedient. Although he tried to live by the word of God. And to fulfill the law in every detail. Still when he looks back, I say, it was empty, it was in vain. Because it was all self-righteousness. In the end, I was disobedient. I didn't come as a humble man before God. I didn't come before God as a cross-bearer. I was foolish and disobedient. He continues, I was deceived. I wandered around like a lost sheep. I had no shepherd. I was left to my own devices. I was wandering on my own account. I was hopelessly lost. I was deceived. I saw I knew the truth, but I was foolish, disobedient. I was deceived. By my own heart, by my own mind, I was deceived. He continues, I, we, it has Paul's longing and the longing of the Spirit that he will say, and I was once foolish. I was once disobedient. I was once deceived. That's my old nature. And then he says, I was serving lusts and pleasures. There is this professor in theology, mind you. And he says, I was serving lusts and pleasures. Together with all of you. This was my whole life. You hear the cry, Lord, forgive my sins. I did in ignorance. He did it in ignorance because he didn't know the truth. And he continues, we were all living in malice and envy because we were slaves to our own lust. Do you recognize it? This is our old nature. And sometimes that old man is so powerful in our life. Therefore, it's so important that we come to know our old nature, that old man. So we flee to Jesus Christ and we put on his armor. And we can stand in that spiritual struggle and fight. I was once a slave to my own lusts. Although I was a professor in theology, I was a slave to my lusts and pleasure. And therefore, I lived in malice and envy. There was so much to envy. I was never satisfied. 
And then he ends. We were hateful and hating one another. And you say, well, I'm not that bad, pastor. I'm not that bad. You can say much about me. But foolish, disobedient, deceived, living as a slave of my own lusts, living in malice and envy, hateful. I love my wife, I love my husband, I love my children. Oh, we have so much to learn, dear congregation. We have so much to learn. If God opens our eyes and we dig in ourselves, we are made honest by the Holy Spirit, we will come to agree with the words of the Apostle Paul that we are hopelessly lost, hopeless lost. In Ephesians 2, we read, we are dead in sins and trespasses. What a picture of our old man. What a poignant reality. And dear congregation, please dig further. Please, please, don't avoid this self-search. Please, don't avoid it. It is so necessary we come to know ourselves in order to come to know the greatness of God and that gift of Jesus Christ which surpasses everything. The more we dig in ourselves and we come to know ourselves, the greater He becomes. And the holier you live out of thankfulness, and I can give you one assurance. The pews here will be filled. Because people will say, you need to be there. These people are changed by God. They are totally different. And the world will be jealous. Oh, it's what we need. Me as pastor, the elders, the deacons, every one of us. That's what we need. Please, dear congregation, again, one time. Don't avoid these hard questions. And never say, now I know my sin enough. That's a deadly. You never know your sin enough. Never, never, never. Well, let's move on to the second point. Changed by grace. Something happened with the apostle Paul. Look to verse 5. In the middle of that verse, it says there, He saved us. Does it resound in your heart? He saved me, wretched sinner. God knows who I am. He knows of my sins and sinfulness. And indeed, in myself, I was and I still am disobedient, foolish, etc. And despite all of that, he saved us. And we know all about that story of the Apostle Paul. How he was changed by God. God appeared to him on the road to Damascus. I am Jesus, whom thou, whom thee, whom thou persecutest. Three days he was living in the darkness. And then he heard God's voice again through the mouth of Ananias. God appeared to him. What a wonder. Dear congregation, that we have the word of God. And that we may hear God's voice. That you not only get your self-knowledge, but that God reveals himself and says, I am here, your Savior. Here I am. I came down to this earth. I became man like you to carry your sins. 
I came down because you are foolish, disobedient, full of lusts, and I came to reach out to you and to save you. Well, Paul is going to describe in these verses, four through seven, that wonder how God saved him. And it's so important that we ponder about that reality because you can summarize it in these words, sola gratia. Because whoever understands what it is, sola gratia, will have good works in his life. No doubt about it. If there are no good works in your life, that you didn't understand until now. Sola gratia. Grace alone. He saved us. He saved us. Well, let's go shortly over these verses. It starts in verse 4. So again, verse 3, our old man. We were once, and then he says, but the bud of the gospel, after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, it's here about God, the Father. It says, but after that the kindness and love of God our Savior, God the Father, is called here a Savior. And indeed, the saving work of God is the saving work of a triune God. It starts in heaven, in that electing love of God the Father. What a wonder it is that God is an electing God. That he chooses men out of this sinful world. And saves them. The goodness and the love of God starts there. There the doors, the doors going open on his hinges. God the Father in his electing love and the door swings open. The door of the gospel swung open in eternity in heaven. God the Father indeed. He's the Savior. It's his covenant faithfulness. He promised You heard the words in baptism, I am your father. I am your father. It is his electing love. Well, and then Paul says about God the Father, the Savior. We read verse 4 again. But after that, the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward men appeared. In God the Father, there is an all-surpassing kindness. Isn't this amazing? There's kindness toward foolish, disobedient, lustful people, hateful people. Kindness, love. This is what love is all about. Love is always the giving and never asking. Love has its origin in God the Father. And it flows out of him as a river. And he wants to fill us with his love. It starts at his heavenly throne in eternity. And then he continues in verse 5. Let's read it. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. He adds another word. He says, God the Father is not only a God full of kindness, full of love, he is also a God of mercy. It is one-sided. He is moved with us. He has mercy upon us. He poured out his mercy toward us. Well, how did all this came to pass? Because until now, 
we spoke about God the Father in heaven. God the Father in heaven, who is full of loving kindness, of mercy, of love. But how did Paul come to know that love of God the Father? How did we come to know? Well, don't you know yet? Well, he continues to write in verse 5. Let's read it again. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. According to his mercy he saved us. And then how? By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. He says, well, this was my big mistake. I always tried to climb the ladder to God by my own works. But I was foolish, disobedient. It is not by my works, not at all. I'm such a needy sinner. I'm so weak. It wasn't by my own righteousness and by my works. It was not because of me going to church and by prayers and my singing, my feelings and my knowledge. Not at all. It wasn't nothing in me. Nothing at all. But again, here swings open the door of the gospel. Because imagine that it was just 0.1% of you. Then it was lost forever. Because we are dead in sin and trespasses. It's 100% the work of God. And nothing of us. How then came it about? By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. God the Father and the Son poured out the Holy Ghost. And oh wonder of wonders. That Holy Ghost opens our ears, our eyes, our heart. And Paul says, and then I once heard the gospel as I never heard. And I saw Jesus Christ. It is all done by the Holy Spirit. He was the one who gave me a new heart, a heart of flesh. Before I had a heart of stone, but now I have a heart of flesh. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's nothing of me. Oh, wonder, wonders. It was pure grace that God the Father loved me from eternity. That he poured out his spirit. And his spirit broke, broke down the walls around my heart. And gave, gave me a new heart. The washing of regeneration. There is this rebirth. I became a new man. And a renewing of the Holy Ghost. The miracle of recreation. Rebirth is performed, done by the Holy Ghost. It's grace alone, grace alone. And, and still Paul isn't yet finished describing how he and the believers were delivered from sin and death. He continues, let's continue to read verse 6. Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, he is the third person in the Godhead. He says, you, you know about it? We? That was God the Father who learned me from eternity. Who loved me from eternity. He taught me from eternity. He loved me from eternity. God the Father. There was the Spirit poured out who gave me a new heart. And there was Jesus Christ. He is my Savior. He came down from heaven. He came to carry away my sins. He took upon himself that penalty which I deserved. He hung at Calvary's cross in my place. He went into my death. He even went into hell for me. The total desolation of God. 
It is all about Jesus Christ. He is my Savior. And then he continues, verse 6 again, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. He says, the Holy Spirit worked in me and all the other believers abundantly when God gives. He gives not with measure. He gives without measure. Abundantly. He forgave all my sins. He counted me righteous because of Jesus Christ. In Him is holiness. In Him is everything I need. In Him I am a new man. In Him there is everything I need for time and eternity. Shed on us abundantly. There is a complete Savior. A triune God. Sola gratia. And what does this salvation by a triune God lead to? Verse 7. That being justified by His grace. He summarizes it, right? It is by grace that I am forgiven. And I'm not only forgiven, I am justified. I'm counted righteous. Not only my sins are forgiven, but I'm righteous again. I am a new man. They're being justified by His grace. We should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I am an heir. There is an inheritance for me in heaven and later on in new earth. There is an inheritance so sure, so sure that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Justified by grace. Well, this was the second thought. The change in the life of the believer. And then let's move on to our last point. Living by grace. A little bit shorter. Living by grace. And again, let's summarize it. Let's start first to read the verse again. This is a faithful thing. These things are will that our firm constantly. Which are these things? That I once was lost, a wretched sinner, and in my old nature still am. Read First Timothy 1 verse 15. Paul says, I am, not I was, I am the chiefest of sinners. That's who I am, was and am. In my old man, my old nature. But yet, God appeared to me. And he poured out his love on me and in me. He recreated me. And now I live forever. And all my sins, and there are still sins, they are forgiven. And despite my sins... I am counted righteous. And Paul stands in awe before that God. It's grace and grace alone, dear congregation. Only grace. This is a faithful saying. These things are will that thou affirm constantly. That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. Where we understand and come to understand this message, sola gratia, that we are saved out of pure grace, then our life is changed totally. You can't help it. It becomes the longing of your heart. And it starts here in your thoughts. It becomes the longing of your mind, of your thoughts. 
to get to know that God more and more and more. And to serve Him, and to serve Him more and more. And it will show itself, because your heart is changed by that mighty work of the Holy Spirit. It will show Himself in good works, in deeds, in fruits. God is so desirous to see good works in your life. And in my life. I would like to read to you from Isaiah 5 a few verses. Listen to them. Just to show that God is watching each of us. This pastor, these elders, all of you. And in a longing, so desires to see good works. Because it is a sure sign and proof that you took up your cross and that you found Jesus Christ that you know what it is sola gratia well Isaiah 5 now will I sing to my well beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard it's about God and that the vineyard is Israel covenant people my well beloved God had a vineyard Israel in a fruitful hill he fenced it he's a fence around his covenant people then and now he gathered out the stones thereof you see God at work young people it's of course a picture, but, but, but you see working on these, in these hills in Israel, full of stones. He first leveled part of that hill, and then he took out all the stones out of that leveled field. And from these stones, he made a fence around that vineyard. God really takes care of his covenant people. Then and now. And then it continues. He planted it with the choicest vine. And built a tower in the midst of it. And also made a wine press therein. Oh God is everything. That you will serve him. That you will praise him. He gives this beautiful building. He made you a congregation. He gave his word. He gave his son. He's working day and night among you. Why? That he will see fruits in your life. But now listen what he found in that old Israel. And God looked that it should bring forth grapes. And it brought forth wild grapes. Dear congregation, are there stinking grapes in your life? Be honest for God. Or good grapes. The path is shown and preached before you. To good grapes, to good fruits. It is that path of self-knowledge. Taking up your cross. Humbling yourself. And then looking upwards to heaven to expect all. From a triune God, because the triune God is so faithful. He is so full of mercy. Even for the chiefest of sinners. And whoever sees this will bring forth fruits in his life without any doubt. What are these good works, by the way? Heidelberg Catechism. I think you know it all by heart, isn't it? Good works are those which proceed from a true faith. And are performed according to the law of God. To his glory. 
And not such as are founded on our imaginations or the institutions of man. These are the good works. And God is looking to these good works. Again. Titus 3 verse 8. This is a faithful thing. These things I will that thou affirm constantly. That they which have believed in God. Oh dear congregation, do you believe in God? Please, you're still living in the time of grace. Go out to that God of mercy, of love. That they might be careful to maintain good works. Because these things are good and profitable unto men. It's all sola gratia. Amen. Let's seek the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank thee for thy word. It wasn't an easy word to be broken down. Oh Lord, we are indeed in ourselves our old nature, foolish, disobedient, full of lusts, slaves of our lusts, hateful. God forgive our manifold sins. But we thank thee for this but that thou art a God of pure grace. That thy son came down from heaven to save us. That thy spirit is poured out. O Lord, we ask thee to work mightily in this congregation here in Kalamazoo. And the young people, and their parents, their grandparents, and each one of us here. Lord, forgive our sins of this service. I fell short in preaching. Was just stammering. Forgive our sins of listening. If we didn't listen well or were preoccupied. Lord, forgive. But bless thy word. Be the after preacher. Go with us. Lord, here we are. As needy and humble people, we come before thee, praising thy name for thy one-sided, electing love, loving kindness, mercy, grace. Lord, go with us this coming week and grant us a fruitful life. All this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.